ESPN. On a Friday on 1350 ESPN and streaming on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Really, really happy to be here. Uh, it's going to be a, a very exciting show because we have a lot to get to. As always on a Friday, we do this once a week. And one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is a guest we have coming up at the bottom of the hour. and His name is Matt Lane, and he works for, uh, down covering the Chiefs in Kansas City because it has been an interesting week if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. It really has. With the Frank Clark stuff going on, uh, who he was busted with an Uzi, which I'm not 100% sure why you would ever need an Uzi for anything. But Frank Clark was busted with an Uzi. What does this mean? The latest will do that at 1230. Matt Lane uh, will join us from Kansas City to talk Chiefs. Uh, also, we will get to some Luca Garza news, Joe Wieskamp news. But we have to start with what is presumably the biggest story of them all, the biggest story of the week, and that is, as we are here on, what, June 25th? We are bracing for the changes to name, intent, and likeness in college sports. And here's how I know this, was, this is a big deal, all right? I know this is a big deal because my mother-in-law asked me about it, all right? I'm hanging out at my mother-in-law's house with the babies. They're in the backyard. And she said, what do you make of this uh, scholarship thing? going on with the college athletes. Because she's an Iowa fan. She's an Iowa State fan. I think for the most part, Pete, our producer, I think we've talked about this. For the most part, outside of Cyhawk Week, Iowa and Iowa State fans coexist pretty well. Yeah. I would say so. And so uh, she was asking me about it because her daughters, my wife, and uh, my sister-in-law went to Iowa State. She's an Iowa fan as well. A lot of talk going on about what this means for Iowa, Iowa State football, basketball, and whatnot. Uh, the Supreme Court decision that came down, 9 nothing. <laughs> My God. 9 nothing. I mean, that really surprised a lot of people, that it was actually 9 to nothing. And so when the decision came down, 9 nothing, that basically said, you know, everything you've been doing, NCAA, for the last 100 years is wrong, is out. And... There are a lot of people, you know, politically divided that are surprised to see certain people, including Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who wrote the opinion. There are a lot of people out there shocked <laughs> that some people on certain sides now have, they have to give them some love. I, I'm so torn on this because I'm not an athlete. I never was an athlete. I don't have children who are, I mean, let's be real. My kids aren't playing football. <laughs> right? Look at me. My kids aren't playing football. Um, but I'm sort of torn on this. And the reason that I'm torn on this is simply because I love college sports. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is going to do to college sports. I have no idea what this is going to do to college sports because... Um, no one has ever seen anything like this. So basically, if you are unfamiliar with this, if you've been living under a rock for so long that you don't know what's going on, beginning July 1, as I mentioned, we are at uh, June 25th. It's about a week. About a week from now. You're going to start seeing rules come out, rulings come out, press releases come out that schools are going to allow or are coming up with rules or coming up with ways to allow student-athletes to make money for their likeness. 
So let's say Spencer Petrus, mm-hmm. quarterback for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes up and says, hey, Spencer, I want to pay $10,000 to go stand in front of this car dealership and say, I love Mike Wickett's car dealership. Mm-hmm. Before, obvious no-no. Now, he's going to be able to do it. Yeah. A rule that Johnny Manziel would have loved to have uh, back in his day. Johnny, the Johnny Manziel stuff is so great. Like, the, he told the story. He was on one of those podcasts for Barstool. Did you hear that with this one from a couple of weeks ago? No. I can't play it because it's going to be far too dirty. Mm-hmm. But basically, what Johnny said was, <laughs> somebody said, hey, uh, go to this hotel room and sign these autographs, and I'll give you $3,000. And as he was signing the hundreds of autographs, somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and he got him in touch with another guy who said, go to this hotel room and sign these autographs and send me a picture of all of them signed. And I'll give you the code to the, uh, the safe in the hotel room. And inside will be $30,000. So he did. <laughs> <laughs> so he did. And, I, again, I am torn. I understand where people come from and like college sports and like the way the college game is and like this and like that. And I also understand that those same people don't like change. They don't want the college game to change. Well, times they are a changing. There's money to be made. And a lot of people will tell you or say, well, Mike, what about, you know, they're getting a scholarship. Yeah, but for the kid that's getting the $40,000 scholarship, the school is making... $10 million off of that kid. Yeah. No, there's the famous story of Chris Weber, who in the book Fab Five, written by, uh, written by Mitch Album, he's talking about how he didn't have money for a pizza, which was complete BS because Chris Weber, there's a reason why the, the Fab Five got in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris Weber was the reason, the center point of all of it. But the, that he was you know, famously walking down the street with Mitch Album. And said, look, there's my jersey. It's hanging there for 100 bucks, And he doesn't get a nickel of that. But he can't afford a pizza. And so I understand there are so many people on both sides of this. But who's to say that if a kid, if Spencer Petrus, going back to the Iowa quarterback analogy, mm-hmm. who's to say if Spencer Petrus wants to, you know, go endorse a car dealership? Or I, you know, I'm from Joe's Camera Shack or Mountain Dew or whatever. Why isn't he allowed to do, go ahead and take that money that would be, you know, something that a professional could get? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the whole idea of, I, see, personally, again, there's a difference in what I personally want and what I personally believe is the right thing. Selfishly, I want there to be a, a one-and-done, or I'm sorry, I want there to be a, a three-and-done rule. I don't want you to be able to leave college after your freshman year and go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Because I love college basketball. I mean, imagine if some of these rookies that are in the league right now were still in the college game together, or second-year players were still in the college game together. How great would that be? Mm-hmm. But I know that's not legally fair. I understand that's not legally fair. I understand that if a sophomore in college... Pete, what year are you at Mizzou? I'm going to be a junior. You're going to be a junior. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to drop out right now mm-hmm. and go work at McDonald's, yeah. No one is going to tell you you shouldn't be able to do that. If that's what you want to do or you want to drop out and go start a podcast or you want to drop out of college and go do whatever you want to do. Like, what's your major in? Uh, journalism. Find a new major. No, <laughs> if, if you want to drop out and come work at this radio station, you want to work at 1350. 
No one would tell you you're, what you're doing is just horrific and wrong. Yeah. I mean, I would tell you it would be stupid to leave college, but, you know, to come work here or any radio station. Mm-hmm. But you can do whatever you want. Why can't a college athlete do the same thing? Just like if somebody came to you, Pete, and said, Pete, we want, to, we want you to come uh, stand in front of this television. Uh, you're a, a journalism student, and we want you to say, hey, uh, Pete, we want you to endorse our car dealership. Why not? You should be able to do that, right? You're not on scholarship. I don't know if you are or no. not. But football players, basketball players, golfers, tennis players, they can't do any of that. Iowa got in the business of it today and released a, a really long, I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but the University of Iowa, this is from HawkeyeNation.com. The University of Iowa Athletic Department announced its comprehensive name, image, and likeness program. They're calling it Flight, F-L-I-G-H-T. I don't know why it's called flight, because the Hawkeyes, because they fly. Okay, sure. Flight is a cross-department effort that creates and oversees NIL educational programming for Hawkeye student-athletes. The program equips Iowa student-athletes with the tools necessary to strengthen their NIL potential. Now, it is very long, and I'll put this up on Facebook and on Twitter, on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook and ESPN Des Moines Twitter page for you to see. But they are, they're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk Ferentz, he was in Des Moines earlier this week. He met with the media. Here is a little bit of what the Iowa head football coach had to say about the new potential rules going into effect very soon that affect name, image, and likeness. I'll start there. I don't know what it's going to mean for anybody, uh, for anybody in college football. I feel a little better. I was in my car a week ago Friday uh, in Des Moines to be exact, uh, driving you know, past like Urbandale exit, I guess it was, and Pickman Road, I think it is. Mark Pugh's on the radio, and he, he gave an answer that I you know, could identify with. Uh, he didn't know all the details, all the particulars, and uh, I certainly feel like I'm in that, that category. And I think most of us are going to be learning as we go. What I really like about the, uh, this, the, the sound there from Ferentz, he doesn't know anything as, as much as I don't know anything, as much as you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference is Kirk's got to figure this out real quick. He's got to learn it really, really quick. Yeah. All right. He's, he's a guy that definitely needs to figure out what in the world is going on as there are a lot of schools that I feel like are ahead of the game. There are probably going to be a lot of schools that are well behind the game and don't know what you can and can't do. And the entire plan of all of this, it's interesting because, so, there, listen, if we took phone calls on questions you have about name, image, likeness in collegiate sports, I wouldn't have any of the answers. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going through this, I'm reading about it like everybody else. I don't know every answer about all of this. All I know is it's probably right. It's probably the right thing for a running back or a wide receiver or a linebacker or a point guard. Or you get to a school that has hockey, whether it's a goalie or a left winger or a center or whatever, to be able to make as much money as they can. What's, that's the American way. That's capitalism, right? Yeah. This whole idea of amateurism and, and amateur status. I mean, I think to paraphrase what Justice Kavanaugh said in his uh, opinion, it would be wrong and illegal if a bunch of restaurants, let's say here in the Des Moines area, all got together and said, if you're going to work here because we've always done it this way, we're going to pay you less. We're going to pay you a minimum salary. So from that standpoint, I kind, I kind of agree with it. Like, there should be nothing wrong with going out and making all the money that you can if somebody wants to pay you. Someone's going to bring up Title IX. Does it have to be fair for this sex versus this sex? Here's what this new rule is going to do, and this is what this program at Iowa, and I assume every school in the nation will have something along these lines, at least the big dogs. You know, Not to say that students at Coastal Carolina aren't going to have 
you know, athletes that get approached to make extra dollars. But if we're talking about it nationally, you understand in these cities, it's going to be Iowa, it's going to be Ohio State, it's going to be Wisconsin, it's going to be Penn State, it's going to be Alabama, whatever. And those kids are going to be gods. They're already gods in their cities. When you go to Iowa City, Spencer Petrus is, it's probably pretty tough for him to go out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just like if you go to Ames, it's probably pretty tough for Brock Purdy or Brees Hall to go out and grab a beer or do whatever it is that a college kid does these days, you know, in, in a normal lifestyle. And they can get on TV, and they can make money, and they can get on social media, and they can make money. And that's where these programs are going to come in and benefit a lot of these athletes. The tools they're going to give, at least at Iowa's case, because they're the ones that have released a press release. I haven't seen anything from Iowa State yet, so if you're listening to us here in Des Moines on 1350, I'm not only doing Iowa and not doing Iowa State. The press release is out from the Hawkeyes. It's not from the Cyclones. Uh... The tools that they're going to put out there, they include educational training in the areas of branding, social media, entrepreneurship, networking, and finance through the INFLCR Plus Storyteller Playbook and access to fair market and social strategy evaluations for each student-athlete's personal and social media profiles. They don't have to make this equal. There is nothing in the books that says if a quarterback gets a commercial, a golfer gets a commercial. If a point guard gets a commercial, a track, a track athlete has to get a commercial. That's not the way this works. The way this works is everybody has the opportunity. Everyone's going to get the same teaching. Everyone's going to get the same training. The amount of money that is going to come in for the track athlete is not going to be that that comes in for the wide receiver athlete. Mm -hmm. It just means that maybe that track athlete has to work a little harder, do two endorsements, do three, of the three appearances, do seven signings, whatever it is. Um, that's just, I mean, listen, when's the last time you sat down and watched a college track meet? Oh, wow. I know Iowa just won theirs and has two All-Americans, but I'm not a fan. But if I'm a super fan and I want to collect jerseys and I want to collect this and that of Iowa or Iowa State, well, Brock Purdy's doing a signing? I'm going to go to that. Mm -hmm. Spencer Petra's going to do a signing? I'm going to go to that. You know, all that, Brees Hall's doing a signing? I'm definitely going to go to that because Brees Hall's going to be one of the first couple of running backs taken in college or in the NFL draft. I'll pay 20 bucks for his autograph, 30 bucks for his autograph, whatever. It'll be very interesting to see what happens at the biggest of the schools, at Alabama, at Ohio State, at USC, at Notre Dame, to see a Texas, how much the... I mean, I don't even know who the Texas quarterback is this year. Sam Ellinger's gone, right? Yeah. He's in the NFL. What's the te what is the quarterback of Texas going to charge for an autograph? <laughs> <laughs> and he'll sell out. Mm -hmm. He'll sell it out. So name, image, likeness, huge story this week. It starts July 1st, and Iowa has a plan. It's the only one I've seen so far. We'll talk more about it for sure. Coming up at 1230, uh, I'm going to be joined by Matt Lane, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs. He is going to join me, Chief in Carolina, on Twitter for the KC Sports Network. He's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Little news out of the NBA Draft Combine, plus some NBA playoff talk. You know I'm going to be tuning in to watch the Bucks and the Hawks. i got tons of thoughts on that series. We'll get to all of that coming up here on 1350 ESPN. You're listening to Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN.
Happy Friday to you here on 1350 ESPN, streaming live on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. You were watching that first segment on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Somebody said you have some gremlins that are chopping up your feed, so we took care of that. Uh, you can check it out. Make sure you subscribe, like everything else, socials, ESPN Des Moines, ESPN DSM on Twitter. I'm Mike Wicked at Mike Wicked on Twitter, two T's. We'll talk with uh, Matt Lane. He's going to join us on the, uh, the Carolina Chiefs beat from the KC Sports Network. Brand new network down there. Matt is, um, if you are a film nerd, mm -hmm. all right, if you are a film junkie, Matt's the guy for you. Guy studies tons of film, uh, tons of all 22s for the Kansas City Chiefs. You definitely want to follow him, read his stuff, and I uh, can't wait to talk with him about the Chiefs and about the Frank Clark story that he was found with an Uzi. I mean, who doesn't have an Uzi either? I know. Who doesn't have... I don't, you can't even own an Israeli assault rifle in this country. Mm-hmm. But Frank Clark did, or had one. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. Okay. Thanks to our sponsor, by the way, Conant Services, here in downtown Des Moines. If you are uh, worried about the heat, because Lord knows it's going to get hot AF again. We've already had hundreds uh, here in Des Moines. And if you are worried, see my guys at Conant Services, conantservices.com. We're very happy to have them on board here on 1350 ESPN and over on the other station I work for, Laser 103.3. If you missed our conversation about the uh, NIL and my thoughts on it, it's going to be podcast up a bit at ESPNDesMoines.com. I don't know if you saw this, uh, NBA Draft Combine. A couple of the Iowa Hawkeyes are there. Joe Wieskamp is there and Luca Garza. I'll get to Joe in just a second because he, of course, is the wild card in all of this. But if you're an Iowa basketball fan, you want to see Luca Garza, the AP Player of the Year, the all-time leading scorer in the history of the school. He broke Roy Marble's record. All Big Ten, all everything. Like, there are so... And to watch, you know, to watch Luca over his career, Iowa fans, I'm sure, were sad to see the way that it ended with an absolute ass-kicking at the hands of the Oregon Ducks. Mm -hmm. Pete, you're an Iowa fan. Ten seconds, how did it feel to watch your team go down the way they did to the Ducks in the dance? Um, I watched the first half, saw us down by 40, and then I went to class. I just, I didn't <laughs> want to tune for the rest of it. And the worst part is, I went to class, and I wore my Iowa jacket, and one dude came up to me, one dude was talking to another guy. He's like, wow, they're getting smacked. Yeah. And then he looked over at me. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. Oops. And I'm like, no. didn't, it's, it's over. Are there a lot of Iowa fans down in Columbia? No. At Mizzou? No? No. I wouldn't expect there to be. Maybe one of five. Okay. Well, it's more than I would have guessed. I'm just I assuming guessed, it's five. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, but Garza has, uh, you know, he's trying to figure out where he's going to be in the NBA. And, and I, I took some heat when I first said this. And I 100% and I believe it, but Luka Garza doesn't look like an NBA player to me. Not in today's NBA. Luka Garza was, bo was born about 25 years too late. Mm. If, if Luka was born when I was born in, the, in 1981 or just prior, he would have fit in in the NBA great because the NBA then you know, was always back to the basket. If you had a little outside touch, if you were 6'11", 7 foot. That's, that's a bonus. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can't consistently shoot well from the outside, if you're not able to draw defenders out from the post, it's tough to find a place as a big man. I mean, Joel Embiid has some outside touch, but he's like the la one of the only really true stellar centers that can play both offensively and defensively in the NBA. I'm sure someone's going to say, Mike, you forgot about this, you forgot about this, you forgot about this, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is playing four-on-five on offense. Mm. He's a great defensive player, three-time defensive player of the year. But Rudy Gobert is playing four-on-five on offense. I don't know where Luka Garza's spot in the NBA actually is. 
Because when you watch Garza play, there's one, there are a couple of things you can say about Garza. But one of the things you can say about Luca Garza is this. He is slow. Yes. He looks like he plods through an NBA or a, a college basketball game. Luca Garza looks like he runs heavier than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Luca Garza has one of the great motors. You never see him take plays off. He doesn't stop running, mm-hmm. but he's not a quick guy. No. He weighed in 30 pounds lighter at the combine than his playing weight at Iowa. And his body fat, I mean, it was a, you know, I wouldn't say he was fat when he played at Iowa for Fran, mm-hmm. but when Garza played, he didn't look like he was the most fit guy in the world. And you have to drop you have to drop baby fat. You have to trim down. You have to slim down. And Luca Garza has done that. He weighed in 30 pounds lighter than when he played at, uh, at Iowa, which is great. Good for him because he had to get thinner. He had to get leaner. He had to get himself ready for the NBA. He said it's been a lot of fun. I think I've shown people that I've changed my body a little bit. I'm excited about the results. I mean, he weighed 242, 6'11", 242. I don't think this means Garza moved his way into the NBA's first round in the draft. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like if he can keep some, you know, the weight there, he's got a shot. He's a second-round pick. I think you don't... I don't think you can be as productive of a college player and at that size and not get a look in the NBA, not get at least drafted in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And maybe he gets a two-way... I don't know how all those G League two-way contracts, everything works. I'm an old-school guy. Draft one, round one, round two. Don't make it, go overseas. I know there's a lot of different avenues and the, the, the world is different these days. But just in terms of getting to the NBA... Garza's doing everything he has to do. He was asked about it, and he told uh, 247sports.com, Hawkeye Insiders, he said, uh, there was a lot that went into it. I started working with a dietitian and chef. That helped out a lot. And also just working out and working a lot and working hard on my body. So it definitely paid off. Uh, he was posting up 47% of the time at Iowa. And he said, so I need to do that a little bit less and get on the outside more so I recognize that, and that's why I made the change. I don't know what the right role is for Garza. Yeah. Because he does like to shoot from the outside. But if you're super slow and plodding like Lurch from the Munsters or Lurch from the Adams Family or whoever, Mm -hmm. Lurch from the Adams Family, if you're plodding around like Frankenstein, you're not going to get a lot of open looks from the outside. You're not, I'm not looking at Luca Garza thinking that's a guy that can, that, that dude... That guy can create his own shot. Yeah. No, you can't, he can't at the college or at the, uh, the NBA level. And down on the block, I don't know if he's talented enough to move. He doesn't have the foot quickness, or he didn't in Iowa, or at Iowa, to be able to make guys, make guys do a whole lot defensively. As yeah. simple as that sounds, you know, it's like, okay, boom, he's going to spin around you. He's going to throw the elbow. He's going to hook his way around. He did that a lot in college because he was bigger than everybody. He was thicker than everybody. He was stronger than everybody. I don't know what he does that translates to the NBA. I've always said this. NBA players, for the most part, do something great. Pick a player. Doesn't matter who it is. If you have to be great in college at something, which brings us to Joe Wieskamp. Because Joe Wieskamp has been a bit of the talk of the combine. He had the second highest vert, 42 and a half inches. 
his body fat is 4%. What's your body fat, Pete? I have no idea. A lot higher than 4%. A lot I can higher tell than you that. 4%. I mean, Garza's was uh, 11%. And Joe Wieskamp's body fat was 4%. 6'7", with a 42-inch vertical leap. His wingspan is 6'11". Long arms. Uh, he has until July 7th to pull his name out of the draft to go back to Iowa for a final year. Because it's weird. All these guys got extra years because of COVID. And he's a guy that, I don't know. I don't know if I look at Joe Wieskamp and see NBA player. The guy can shoot. The guy is big, 6'7". He can shoot. He's got some athleticism. But is he special? Is he special enough to get some run in the NBA. Now, obviously not a first-round draft pick. The question for Joe Wieskamp, does he want to gamble on his future and see if he can become a second-round pick and work his way up? Or does he want to go back to Iowa for another year and not, win, and, and not get to the Sweet 16? Mm-hmm. Coming up, we're going to talk some Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, if you haven't seen it by now, Frank Clark busted with an Uzi. What has the offseason been like for the great one, Patrick Mahomes? We'll talk with Matt Lane from the KC Sports Network. We'll do that next. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN. Mike Wicket with you. This is Wicket's World. Uh, one of the big stories this week that... I would say it was any other player in the NFL, I would have been completely shocked. But I'm not generally shocked when bad news follows the Chiefs defensive star, Frank Clark. He was found with an Uzi. I didn't even know how to, I wouldn't, if you had to pay me to obtain an Uzi, I would have absolutely no idea how to do so. (laughs) But he was busted with one in Los Angeles. Talking that in all things Chiefs. Joining me right now on the hotline from the Kansas City Sports Network online, kcsportsnetwork.com. Matt Lane is with me. Matt, appreciate the time, my friend. How you been? Oh, I've been doing good, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, Mike. It's been a while since I got to talk to you, so I appreciate it. Normally, we just battle about who's the deserving NFL MVP on Twitter, so it's good to actually have you on to talk about football. Before we get to what I know is your bread and butter, and that is talking about Pat Mahomes and throwing the ball all over, I want to get what is the latest with Frank Clark, busted with an Uzi that he claims belonged to one of his security personnel, how did this happen, and what has the reaction been like from inside the Chiefs community? It's, it's been interesting because I think the biggest news, I think, that came out of the whole thing was this was the second time this offseason this happened. Mm-hmm. So back in March, the exact same thing happened to him in California. He got arrested overnight, had to bail himself out the following day for being caught carrying, I believe it was an Uzi then as well. Nobody heard about it. This was pre-NFL draft. Nobody heard a word about it until it happened this second time. And then all of a sudden the floodgates open. So here, you know, in the Kansas City Chiefs Twitter world or social media world, it was the hottest topic for two days. And then it just kind of disappeared, I think, for all the fans, probably because, unfortunately, we are kind of numb to the off-field issues uh, that the Chiefs have been going through over the past half a decade. Yeah, I was going to say between, and I know the Tyreek Hill stuff kind of got dismissed, but I still have my doubts. And, and, and I know that it's not related, but Andy Reid's brother, or Andy Reid's kid, and the, 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 uh, the, the Frank Clark stuff, bringing him over from Seattle didn't write, uh, rub people the right way. And, of course, uh, the running back who's now with Cleveland, whose name escapes me right now. But, I mean, this seems like it's a culture thing with the Chiefs. Are fans reacting that way? 
and, and Kareem Hunt would Kareem be the running Hunt, yeah, back yeah. we're talking about. And then uh, they even this offseason they signed Jaron Reed, who has a an issue in his past as well. So yeah, it's. It's a team that is certainly not afraid to take a swing on guys that have some off-field issues. I do think a little bit of it is Andy Reid's dealt, obviously. Now it's come back to bite him here, too, but he's dealt with some personal issues that aren't related to football from people in his family or people that he's been close to. Not him specifically, but with his you know, son and all the background with his family. He's dealt with people that have deserved or he felt deserved a second chance. And as long as you shoot straight with Andy Reid, as long as you listen to what he has to say, he pretty much will give a lot of guys that he believes in. If he believes in you, he's going to give you another shot. And I think these last couple seasons, that's caught up to the Chiefs a little bit. Thankfully for the organization, it's only really been in the offseason when things haven't, it hasn't hurt the team so much in any particular way yet. But they are flirting with fire here because it's just it's one incident after another, it seems like, right now. Is Frank Clark on this roster when uh, the season kicks off this fall? I, th- I think so. I do think this year. Now, I will say the big thing is this year I think he'll be around, but after this season, his contract is something they can get away from. They will be able to get out of it a lot easier next offseason. So if they're losing faith in him, if he doesn't return to kind of his play from the 2019 season, I'd say he's on his fast track to be a free agent again. I was going to say, there are probably a lot of people who wondered if Frank Clark was even on this roster this year, but that's a story for another time. Uh, Matt Lane joining me from the KC Sports Network online, kcsportsnetwork.com. Follow Matt on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Uh, I'm Mike Wicked here on 1350 ESPN. It's more fun to talk about Patrick Mahomes and this offense and what went wrong last year in that Super Bowl was evident to everyone. You don't need to be a diehard film guy like you, Matt, to realize that that offensive line was embarrassed. I was surprised at how easily Tampa harassed and got to Mahomes in the Super Bowl. They have completely fixed. Well, there's an injury, but the plan has been to completely fix that offensive line where are we at now? How happy is Patrick Mahomes? I think he's, I think he's out there doing backflips, even <laughs> though you know he's still coming off the, uh, the ankle or foot surgery. I think he's still out there doing backflips. I mean, they've turned over essentially the entire offensive line. The only returning starter that you're going to have is Mike Rimmers playing right tackle as of now, who might end up not being day one starter once they get through training camp and preseason. So this is an entirely new offensive line. And like you said, like it doesn't take much to see that the Chiefs' offensive line last year, throughout much of the season, was struggling to keep Patrick Mahomes upright, was struggling to allow Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and the coaching staff to call the games they wanted to. And it just, on the ultimate stage, it put its worst foot forward, you know, because of the Eric Fisher injury, because of the injuries to guys all over the place. But they've done a complete 3 180 on this offensive line now. And it's not even just new guys. It's just an entirely different type of offensive lineman they've brought in now. Tyreek Hill, top five, top ten wide receiver in the National Football League. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. Uh, I think most people would probably have to agree with that. After that, who is going to catch passes from Patrick Mahomes this fall? So there's your next big thing. Everybody always asks, you know, if the Chiefs don't return to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl this year after investing so much into the offensive line, what's the reason going to be? And I think a lot of people want to point to the defense, but I think that Steve Spagnuolo and the defensive coaching staff has done a really good job with the pieces they have. There's talent in some spots. You obviously wish they had some more talent on second level or at cornerback, but I think the defense will be okay. It's that third pass catcher. It's the person to compliment Travis Kelsey as the, you know, that second guy to go over the middle of the field or to kind of get the dirty yards. 
losing Sammy Watkins, who was rarely fully healthy, but what he was, he was important. Having to replace him is going to be a trick, and I don't know if they have a direct answer yet. I think the Chiefs are hoping that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, second-year running back out of LSU, is able to make some big strides in the passing game this year and kind of take some of that pressure off Kelsey to pick up all the first downs through the air, to take that pressure for Kelsey to be the only guy operating over the middle of the field. If you pulled, let's say, 20 Chiefs fans, how many would give Nicole Hardman a positive grade and how many would give Nicole Hardman a negative grade? I think you're split 50-50 right now. I think there's definitely a large large chunk of fans, Chiefs fans, that have seen the highlights, they've seen the flash plays and what his speed can bring. I mean, he's got speed that might only be matched by a couple players in the NFL. So they've seen that and they see how he can win going forward. And I think our view as Chiefs fans is a little jaded because we have seen Tyreek Hill essentially come from a more raw player when he entered the NFL to one of the best wide receivers based around that speed. So I think half the fan base is really hopeful for him. And then I think you have another half that's just a lot more skeptical because there's been such a lack of growth through two years now. His usage has essentially been manufactured touches or run as fast as you can. There hasn't been a lot in between. The Chiefs will need him to step up this year. Like That's one of the pivotal things that they are going to need. And if he doesn't start making strides early on, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chiefs start to look to replace him through the draft or free agency next season. Matt, I know you spend a lot of time watching film. Do you see Hardman taking that next step? I don't know. I have personally, I was a little skeptical of the pick when they first drafted McCole Hardman. I think he was a guy that was used as a deep ball player at Georgia or as a behind the line of scrimmage guy. And I haven't seen a lot to make me think that he's developed his game from there. But this is also going to be, you know, his first off season in the NFL as a non-rookie that he'll actually get to go in there, work with the team, work with the coaches because of the COVID off season last year. If there is a chance for him, I think it comes this year. I just don't know if I would be going you know, to Vegas to place the bets on that right now. Another minute with Matt Lane from uh, the KC Sports Network online, kcsportsnetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. I'm Mike Wicked on 1350 ESPN. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I remember that watching that opening night game against Houston, and I'm sure all of Kansas City thought, we just struck gold! We, we have found our guy! And then he had an up-and-down rest of his rookie year. Uh, what happened with Ed, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire the next 15 weeks? Which is, he's a rookie. I'm not saying that I had huge expectations. But after that night, I think it's safe to say, Matt, Chiefs fans were excited and then were maybe a little let down last year. Yeah, and you, a couple weeks later, we got to the Buffalo, the first Buffalo Bills game where the Chiefs had played them in the regular season. And Buffalo essentially said, hey, run the ball all you want. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had, you know, his, one of his other best games of that rookie season. But outside that, it was a lot of up and down. They just, they weren't able to fully get what I think fans were hoping for out of them. When you draft a running back in round one, the expectations are just astronomically high. And I think there was definitely a learning curve. I mean, we've heard him talk, you know, in some press conferences, Clyde has said it himself, Andy Reid said it. They kind of gave him just the basic, play call, the basic play sheet, especially in the passing game, they were trying to keep it relatively simple because there was minimal time last year to figure everything out. This year, the playbook should be opening up for him, especially as a receiver. So while the rookie year was a little disappointing, I do think that if you're a Chiefs fan, you have to step back and realize he was a rookie that essentially got almost no in-person time with this team until the season started. Coming along slowly was something you could expect. Now, if you get a repeat this year, if it's that up and down this year and he's only really finding success 
when teams are playing with five guys in the box and that's about it, then I think it's time to maybe start panicking about what the draft pick led to. But I don't see that happening. I really do think, at least in the receiving game, he's going to be well worth it as just a weapon because that's what he was at LSU. And I would be quite amazed if Andy Reid could not you know, get back that same level of efficiency out of him. Last one for you, Matt. I know there's a lot of players out there that if they said their goal was to go undefeated and throw the number 20-0 and out there, uh, a lot of those guys would take flack from the media, from fans. Mahomes did it. Does anybody care? It's funny because I think when you look at it from outside of being a Chiefs fan, it seems like he didn't catch any flack for it. But when you're a Chiefs fan, I think a lot of Chiefs fans felt that he did catch a lot of heat for saying that. And when you listen, it's essentially it was a goal that they would put out there. He didn't say they were going to. This wasn't a (laughs) LeBron James, we're going to win seven, eight rings. It was a goal. Like I think some Chiefs fans did feel attacked because like he was just stating that's their goal. And some people like, oh, no, that's never going to happen. That said, Right now, I think Patrick Mahomes can do just about anything, and it is really hard to give him too much flight. It's too hard to be upset with him right now just based on where he is in his career. You know, just his persona, his belief in him around the league as a player and as a person right now. So he's just kind of the golden boy right now, and I think we got like one more year of that before it turns on him like it did Tom Brady early in his career, and he all of a sudden becomes everyone's favorite enemy. Well, I'll tell you right now, Matt, uh, I think people are already starting to turn on Mahomes. I think people are getting sick of him. I think if the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl, and they probably will be, people are going to start having that feeling of, okay, this is Patriots Midwest. Everybody's going to start getting sick and tired of the Chiefs. But good for you. That means a lot of fun, a lot of winning, and a lot of good stuff to cover. You guys do an awesome job. Brand new, KCSportsNetwork.com. Nobody watches more film than Matt Lane. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Good to, uh, good to talk with you. Uh, thanks for having me on, Mike. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend. Like I said, I appreciate being back on here to talk to you again. Well, I'll bug you again this fall, Matt. Uh, perfect. We definitely got to talk before that uh, big Packers game, too. Oh, week 17. Can't wait for it. It'll be Jordan Love versus Chad Henney. What a, what a dripping with intrigue matchup that'll be. <laughs> hey, Matt, take care. You too, Mike. Matt Lane on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, online, kcsportsnetwork.com. I'm Mike Wickett. If you want to hear history, don't go anywhere. That's next. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. This is Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN. On a Friday, it's Wicket's World. Mike Wicket with you here on 1350 ESPN. Like us on Facebook, ESPN Des Moines, and follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. My thanks again to Matt Lane for joining me uh, from the Kansas City Sports Network online, kcsportsnetwork.com, talking Chiefs. If you missed anything today, we'll podcast it at espndesmoines.com. If you are a little tired today, you could be because you stayed up last night to watch some history out in Los Angeles. Zach Davies started 1-6, gave it over to Tapera, to Chafin, and now Kimbrell. Field two. Feels great. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I had no idea um, until the last out, and everybody came running out. Um, I was just locked into the game, and uh, I was just going out there to do my job.
I'm not surprised by that. Craig Kimbrell, the call there from, I think that was Matty Vaskersian over on Major League Baseball Network, but I could be wrong. But I, I, I'm not going to, like, those guys in the bullpen, they're not paying attention to every pitch. They may not have actually known. And another one of the relievers uh, afterwards, Andrew Chaffin, said the whole bullpen had no idea. It was completely oblivious. In our defense from uh, that bullpen, our perspective on the field, all we, all we can see is like batting average and the count and stuff like that. So they can't even see runs, hits. All they see are from their vantage point looking up at the scoreboard. They don't get the constant reminder of zero hits like everybody else in the building. Now, you heard that right here last night. We had it for you here on 1350 ESPN. Cubs and Dodgers game two out from Chavez Ravine tonight. 9-10 first pitch, 8-30 for the pregame. Jake Arrieta pitches for the Cubs. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a Cubs fan. And I know that's going to maybe, maybe rub some people the wrong way here in Des Moines because there are Cubs fans everywhere. But uh, I'm not much of a Cubs fan. 17 no-hitters for that organization? Mm-hmm. As a Brewers fan, there's been one. <laughs> 17 times Cubs fans have had no-hitters? Are you kidding me? That has to be the record, right? Probably. I mean, what do the Yankees have most no-hitters by team? I mean, 17. The Dodgers have 26. Holy <laughs> oh, my God. The Dodgers have 26, the White Sox have 20, the Red Sox have 18, the Giants and Cubs have 17. My Brewers have one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And by the way, the guy that just threw the first six innings last night Mm -hmm. is a former Brewer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so do I get partial credit on the partial no-no thrown by Zach Davies as a fan? Can I celebrate that? I think that's a win. You know what? I need it. <laughs> Sometimes I need it. But uh, so it, it is good to see Zach Davies, who, by the way, still looks younger than you, Pete. Young dude has a very, very young face. Um, he threw the, uh, the first six, and then the relievers cleaned it up. It was history. First of the 17 no-hitters, it was the first combined no-hitter in Cubs history. So congrats. They'll do it again here at tonight. Um, I got about a minute and change. Is that right? About yeah. About a minute and change? Is that what I got left? About two minutes, about a minute, a little less than two minutes. All right, let me tell you what has to happen tonight for my Milwaukee Bucks Here we to go. Uh, even this series. They look like they... Well, one, they're going to stop Trey Young from scoring 50 points. He accounted for 80 points <laughs> between buckets and assists. He accounted for 80 mm. in that game, in, in game one. It felt like the Bucks were still... It was a letdown series. Like, this isn't the Nets. How do you get up for the Atlanta Hawks? And when Chris Middleton goes 0 for 9, they're not going to win very many games. I'm telling you right now, what you have to do with Trey Young is a couple of things. And I'm not saying play dirty. But what I'm telling you is the Bucks have guys like Thanasis Adetokounmpo and Jordan Norwa, who you've probably never heard of. Those guys each have six fouls. Mm-hmm. And those guys have six fouls. Yeah. Trey Young is a little dude with a bad shoulder right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying goon him. <laughs> I'm just saying get a little physical with Trey Young. When he comes into the paint, first of all, make him go east-west. That floater, he's just so money with. But give him a, you know, I'm not saying play dirty. I'm just saying play like 80s, 90s style of basketball when I grew up with the bad boys. The Pistons. The Pistons. (laughs) That wasn't dirty basketball? No! (laughs) That was basketball. (laughs) Get physical with Trey Young. Bucks are going to win tonight. I think the Bucks are going to win running away with it tonight. And then they'll uh, go to Atlanta. 
And thanks to Matt Lane for joining me. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you for watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. If you missed anything, it'll be up at ESPNDesMoines.com. My name is Mike Wicket. That's Big Pete. This has been Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. Be safe. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you next week.